Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. So now that we we have this capability and we've kind of transformed the organization to be human centered and you know brought in the right skills and and we have some frameworks that we're using, uh, you know it it really makes all the difference in the world. But from a process perspective, really what it comes down to, if I were to try to summarize it at the highest level, it's you know starting with identifying you know what is the business outcome that that we're trying to achieve. And what are the, you know, what are the goals and the metrics and measurements that we could use to identify whether we're, we're achieving that goal or not? Damon leads the employee experience design team in crafting moments that matter for IBM's diverse global workforce through employee-driven, engaging, and integrated experiences that help reduce workplace complexity and improve productivity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I am really happy to be connected today with Damon. How are you, Damon? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, trying to stay warm. It's a little chilly here in San Diego today. Yeah, yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, we are recording this podcast mid-November. And that's that means that winter is around the corner. Uh, of course, for those guys living in San Diego... Cold means, you know, 65 degrees. Exactly. They are, free, they are yeah. freezing. They are putting out all the, you know, the, the, the down jackets, the scarves, the gloves, because it's 65. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's good. Well, Damon, really, really happy to have this conversation with you about all things uh, design thinking, human-centered design. But first thing, first things first, I want to ask you, that typewriter in your office. And for those of you who are just listening to the podcast and not watching, Damon is in his home office and he has a red old school typewriter in the office. What is that about? <laughs> I do actually, it's, it's funny you caught that. Um, so it's a Selectric One typewriter from, you know, back in the, back in the day in the sixties. Um, it's a, the red Selectric, especially this curved design model, it's it's part of IBM's design legacy. Wow. And so for many, many years, I always said I wanted to try to find one. And uh, it took me a little over a year to find an original red one, because now what they're doing is painting the old ones red, because everybody wants a red one. Um, but for my 20th IBM anniversary, I had it, I found it, and I had it rebuilt for myself. And so now it's completely functional. And every once in a while, I break out some old IBM stationery and I, I type a letter on it. It's pretty cool. That is so funny. You know, I I actually had my first ever computer probably in the year 2000 or a little bit over the, 2000, the year 2000. I'm all before that 
going through school, I used to work with a typewriter. So um, it was a great, great type in school <laughs> for those yeah. of us who, who ever had the opportunity to work with typewriters. <laughs> it's so, so funny because when I turn it on and I hear the hum and the noise and the, the like, it takes me right back like, to when yeah. I was young and you would hear those all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny. I, I, I use the analogy of the typewriter in the HR world and I tell people, you know, I, I, I come from an engineering background, uh, technology, electronic engineering. And I tell people, if we, if those of us uh, who uh, have worked in engineering were using the same technology that we used to use 40, 50 years ago, we wouldn't be using computers today. We would continue to use typewriters. And I use that analogy to say that in HR, we continue to use processes that have been around for 40 or 50 years, which would be the equivalent of using a typewriter today. And, and I try to do that just to give it a little bit of a flavor to, to the conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that thought. I love that. Yeah, we have to constantly be innovating and, yeah. and, and changing. So yeah, that, that continuous yeah. learning, continuous improvement, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. So let's, let's just begin this conversation talking about transformation, talking about change and innovation. And you guys have done an incredible work in IBM. I've interviewed so many of your uh, colleagues at IBM. And the work that you do around designing HR systems, practices, and processes all centered in the human is just so powerful to me. So uh, Damon, would you navigate us through the process of how you do that? How you design something in HR that is centered in the people, in the human that you are serving? Yeah, so now that we, we have this capability and we've kind of transformed the organization to be human-centered and you know, brought in the right skills and, and we have some frameworks that we're using, uh, you know, it, it really makes all the difference in the world. But from a process perspective, really what it comes down to, if I were to try to summarize it at the highest level, it's, you know, starting with identifying, you know, what is the business outcome that, that we're trying to achieve? And what are the, you know, what are the goals and the metrics and measurements that we could use to identify whether we're, we're achieving that goal or not? That's kind of the very first step and you know as a designer and design thinker and you know employee experience person we want to quickly jump into the experience work and the design thinking work but you know first it takes that really articulating the problem or the goal that we're trying to achieve first for the business and then jumping in with design thinking to really understand okay within this problem space you know who are the employees involved who are our users and deeply understanding, you know, if there's multiple persona groups or archetypes that we need to, to work with. And then, you know, using either user research or other design thinking activities to really understand their goals, their pain points, um, their needs. Because if we can design a solution for, for them and for, you know, their goals and their needs, they'll be more engaged in the solution. They'll utilize it more, they'll yeah. adopt it better. And in the end, we'll drive that original business outcome by, by focusing on the needs of the users involved. Absolutely. You know, the, when I talk about design thinking, the, the, the element of being empathetic and really focusing on the user always, of course, resonate with people, right? 
the the two elements or the two faces, if you will, that may not resonate with people that much are thinking about prototyping or testing ideas in HR. There's always the question of like, how do we do that, right? How do we put something together that is a prototype uh, in, in HR? People may understand that if you're developing an actual tangible product, maybe that makes sense. But when it comes to processes or an employee experience practice, that doesn't necessarily click uh, with them right away. So how do you do that? How do you go about these specific elements of prototyping and testing ideas uh, at IBM? I love this question. Um, so the, you know, prototyping can take all kinds of forms, right? Like you can have really high fidelity prototypes if you have designers and developers that are working on a digital solution and they can build something quickly in Envision or any other kind of prototyping tools. Um, but that's at kind of the far end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum, a prototype could be something that you sketch down on a piece of paper and put in front of an employee and get their feedback. Yeah. I mean, and prototypes can span that entire spectrum, you know, everything from really low fidelity sketches all the way up to high fidelity digital prototypes, if it's a digital experience that you're working on. Yeah. But in HR, of course, not all of our experiences are digital. Many of them are, and many more of them are becoming so. But there are still a lot of physical experiences, kind of in-person experiences, although these days those are getting smaller. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to virtualize as many of those as possible. But even those you know, one-on-one -on -one interactions between managers or leaders, you know, those are still you know, what I would consider kind of physical experiences, even if they're over a, you know, a WebEx or Zoom. Um, and so, you know, all these kinds of, of experiences or touch points can all be prototyped and you can put ideas on how to improve those, those touch points or those experiences, put them in front of your users and get feedback. Yeah. You know, that's really what design thinking is all about is testing those ideas to see how well they really will resonate with the users that you've identified. I love that. And I, and I love the idea that I mean, it's just that the word is is scary, right? I mean, just think about it. Prototype. Uh, I, I, we're thinking about, I was watching uh, Back to the Future recently, and I'm thinking, you know, the DeLorean, right? And, and then people developing something that is super high-end, high-fidelity, very tech-oriented, when in reality, like you're saying, Damon, it's just, it could be as easy as a piece of paper where you're putting together some ideas, you're getting feedback on that, maybe even having a conversation uh, could be the, the, the origin or the onset of, a, of, a, of the creation of a prototype. And this is important because it, I'm hoping that it lowers the level of fear that people may feel when they hear the word prototype. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's spot on. And, you know, as we focus more on building these, you know, experiences and touch points um, and moving into, you know, more of a, a digital first approach, you know, HR professionals are, are starting to collaborate more and more and co-create with these new disciplines that they've never collaborated with, you know, before. So everything from, you know, data scientists or data analysts to designers to developers, you know, it, you know, for product managers even in some cases. And so having these 
you know, multidisciplinary teams come together to co-create and work on some of this stuff is, is a great way to, um, you know, prototyping is a great way to start collaborating with those, those new user, those new collaboration uh, types. Yeah. You know, you actually read my mind because I, I wanted to ask you, I know you guys have a dedicated team thinking and doing this, but you're very big on collaboration across the board and co-ownership of, of the initiatives. And I wanted to ask you about this because for smaller companies that may not have the, the, the people resources or the, or the financial resources like uh, IBM has, there's always a, a, a little bit of a challenge, right? When, when you tell them, you know, uh, use design thinking or, or human-centered approach. And generally the answer to that is, well, why don't you collaborate with others, bring them on board and decide, bring, uh, 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 create a, a team of quote-unquote designers that are working towards a people process but may not work in the people space uh, or may not work in HR. So can you yeah. share with us a little bit about how you go about the collaboration and the co-ownership pieces when you work with others at IBM to, to design together or, or uh, get their feedback and, and have them you know, get their buy-in as you go about the design thinking solutions that you're creating? Yeah, this is a this is a, a big topic, but also a really important one. Um, so I think there's a few things that have helped us, and and I'll weave in some of the some of the uh, things that you mentioned. I think one thing that has helped is to enable the entire organization on design thinking. That that has been something that has helped all of us align on the same vocabulary, align on. Um, you know, how we can easily come together to co-create because we're using the same, you know, the same mindset and the same approach. Uh, so that was a, that was a big step uh, towards getting people together. Uh, one of the more tactical things that we did very, very early on in our employee experience mission was to bring together representatives from across the entire HR function. And we co-created an employee experience playbook. And so it really was about getting everyone together so that we could come up with a shared set of principles, a shared, shared set of what things should look like, feel like, sound like, what vocabulary we should be using, you know, in these touch points and experiences with employees. Um, and also, you know, really coming together to think about how we use different channels to engage and interact with employees. So for example, how should we all be using email versus video versus learning systems versus you know, other digital touch points like chatbots or even physical experiences? And so that, that went a long way in helping to align our entire organization on kind of our employee experience strategy. And then some of the more uh, sort of project-based or tactical things that we've done is you know, whenever we identify a space or a problem that we want to work on, you know, not only do we identify the, the users involved, but who, what teams are sitting between the problem and those employees. So are different HR functions involved or even in many cases, uh, does IT or the CIO team participate in this experience? Or is there a physical component with real estate and operations 
And so bringing them in, in many cases, to help us kind of co-create and, and do some design thinking activities around this space, that's, that's always key. And it's always one of the very first activities we do as a, like a stakeholder map to figure out yeah. who else involved in this space. I, I love that. There's, there's a quote that says, uh, what is done for me without me is against me. And, and I love that because very often in HR, we think that when we're developing something, we are not only doing a great job, but we are serving people in the best way possible. And we may end up doing something that is actually counterintuitive to them, which happens actually pretty often because we don't involve them at any stage of the design process of the prototyping, testing, scaling. And I think it's so valuable that you share this experience of let's bring the stakeholders together, see who's sitting between a possible solution and the problem and how come, how we can get him involved in this process. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that was one of the big light bulb moments that we had uh, early in our transformation, which was, uh, you know, we were coming in as design experts, not HR experts. And so one of the, one of the first sort of uh, things that we uncovered was that for many HR organizations or HR teams or HR professionals, they're deep, deep subject matter experts in the policies and the processes and the procedures of, of HR. Um, and at the same time, they're also employees. And so what we found over and over and over engaging with these teams is this hesitation to bring in real employees as real sponsor users. Um, and it wasn't until you know, we articulated the, the value of doing that, but we really had to show them. And so as we kicked off some of these projects and brought in real employees, you know, they, they had this aha moment, this like, wow, employees that don't have the context we have think about and experience these things far, far differently than yeah. we do. And I never would have known that had we not brought real employees in and co-created you know, these new processes or these new experiences with them. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's powerful. After time after time, yeah, time, you would see the teams kind of have that moment of, oh, wow, yeah, this, this really is a different approach and, and we need it. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it's, it's just a powerful experience to open up the, the gates of, of feedback and engaging people in a way that is not just telling them what they need to do, but asking them what needs to be done and how it could be done. And mm -hmm. that, that, that is a, it's a different, it's a different game, right? Because you are now including people who are living the experience of whatever you're doing. And for a lot of them, whatever you're creating may suck or it may be great or it may be great, but could be better. And by listening to them, you're just creating such an incredible opportunity to hear from people who may not be titled as subject matter experts, but they are the ones living through, you know, the reality yeah, of the say, things that happen at work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. When, when you think about a team of designers, whether it is a dedicated team or people who are brought, brought uh, from, from different places in the organization, what are the most important skills or capabilities or competencies that these people have? What, what makes them great to be in a team of, of that is 
putting forward a design thinking methodology or approach? I think there's a couple traits that we see in highly successful um, you know, practitioners in this space. And it's really um, those that have a lot of empathy for others. You know, that's a, that's a key, key trait. Another is kind of this, you know, flexible growth mindset, people that are really open to change and excited by change. Um, and I think, you know, the other is the ability to collaborate, you know, really effectively and communicate ideas. You know, those are, those are all strong, strong traits in this, um, and skills in this, in this area of employee experience and co-creating and design thinking. Yeah, no, I love that empathy, flexibility, growth mindset, and the ability, of course, to collaborate. What are some of the challenges that you have encountered while trying to do this? And I don't mean just uh, maybe at the beginning, but I mean on a day-to-day basis. What What is something that you say like, oh my God, this is coming up again, and I'm going to have to deal with it again. What are those perhaps common painful challenges, if you will? Yeah, I think I, I covered the first one, which is the we're not our users mantra, yeah. right? Uh, that, was a, that was a big one. Um, I think another one is the time, time these concepts back to tangible business outcomes, because in many, many instances, we need to collaborate or get the buy-in of you know, business owners and, and being able to articulate how we're going to operationalize and measure you know, employee experience and design thinking, whether that's through you know, developing uh, artifacts like moments that matter or journey collections or using service design. Um, but it's really about capturing those metrics. And so we hear a lot about like NPS, but there are others that are even more important to run like CSAT or uh, effort scores, but articulating those kind of EX metrics and being able to blend those EX metrics with the more traditional business metrics to articulate how we're either driving revenue or reducing costs and investing in this space, we can do both. But being able to articulate that and tie those things together, I think is a, is something that's a, a constant. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, of course, implies the, the, the one underlying principle that should be leading our work in HR. It doesn't always, but it should, which is our deep understanding of the business and the metrics and the people that we are supposed to serve. And not just that, that to me, I boil it down to taking off the HR hat and putting on the business leader hat, because then we're going to start thinking, and tie whatever we're doing with business priorities, business metrics, business goals. Uh, let me ask you this question, Damon, as we wrap up this amazing conversation. What do you think are the prime areas for design thinking utilization? Uh, and I ask you this question because it comes up very often, people asking, where do I begin, right? I know design thinking but we have problems in recruitment, in performance, in coaching, in mentoring, in compensation. What do you think are the prime areas for change? I think when it comes to, you know, using design thinking to, you know, to, to drive transformations, it's an improved experiences. You know, we can improve any experience, you know, especially if you have, you know, passionate 
HR professionals and they're augmented with design thinking uh, coaches or even designers. Um, so really the key becomes more of a prioritization exercise and to prioritize what are those business outcomes that are important for our HR strategy or what are the, what are the business goals that, that HR is here to support and using some of those existing um, kind of components or, or strategy elements to help us prioritize. Okay, well, if we improve this touch point or this experience or this journey, we have a, a really strong um, you know, possibility of moving the needle in a significant way on some of these important uh, business outcomes that align again to the, to the strategy. Yeah. So it's, it's all about prioritization and understanding where do we think investing in employee experience or you know, design thinking approach, where do we think that investment is gonna have the biggest payoff? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I always say the same thing. And for people who are doing this for the first time, I combine that with the idea of do it in an area where you can get a quick win that allows you to show, hey, look at what we've done through design thinking. Let me do it again. Give me a little bit more time, a little bit more resources, because if we've done this in this short period of time, imagine how much more we can do and how much of a better experience we can create if we, mm-hmm. if, if now we do it, you know, full fledged and not just half baked, right? So, so Damon, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Great, great conversation. No problem. Happy to be here and happy to chat anytime. I can talk about this stuff for days. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for being here. And I'll see you at the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.